a building is a component of a city and you want to make great architecture, you have to think about cities. Welcome to Tete Tete, the Rice Architecture Podcast Series. I'm your host, Rose Wachowski, and this week's episode features a conversation between Christoph Spieler and our alumni specialist, Jackie Schaefer. Christoph received his bachelor's and master's in civil engineering from Rice University. He is currently the director of technology and innovation at Hewitt Zollers and has taught courses at Rice Architecture since 2008. Their conversation dives into Christoph's experience as an engineering student and many additional hobbies he developed while at Rice. Later on, all of these interests converged into a successful career, including the recent release of his book, On Transit. So let's tune in. Christoph, thank you so much for being here. So there's something interesting that I don't think many people know about you, and that is that while you were an engineering student here at Rice, you also took studio as an elective, right? Yeah, I actually got a bachelor's and a master's in civil engineering here at Rice. And and the master's program was something of a collaboration between the engineering school and the architecture school, where I actually took a semester of studio. I took several semesters of Rice building workshops. So the intent was that even as an engineer, I would get a little better understanding what architecture was like. So you did design projects. You did studio like the students do studio now, right? And one of the things about academia is we tend to treat these professions as if they're totally separate things. Like there's Ryan Lab and there's Anderson Hall and there's a school of engineering, and there's a school of architecture. When you get out in the real world, architects and engineers have to work together all the time. What I want to do is I want to move into kind of what were the other things that you were doing at Rice at the time? I just, I need the full picture of your Rice experience. <laughs> I mean, in addition to my academics, and, and I will say I was not that amazing a student. I was sort of an A minus engineering student at best. I spent basically half my time at the Thrusher office. I, I joined the Thrusher, became an editor halfway through my freshman year, and spent the next five and a half years in an editorial position on the Thrusher and got to the point um, by the time I was in grad school where I was features editor. And I would basically on Sunday ask for two pages in the Thresher and do all the photography, do all the writing, do all the graphics, lay out the pages and deliver two finished pages of something I found interesting, which could have been the buildings of downtown Houston, or it could have been this new light rail line that Houston was proposing, or it could have been the things that are up in the air above Rice. I covered new campus buildings. That ability to write on a deadline, that ability to combine text and graphics, photography, those are all things that have been a huge part of my career ever since. You also, working on The Thresher, gave you the ability to move into other journalistic endeavors too, like uh, Site Magazine, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, So by the time I finished at Rice, I was on the editorial committee of Site Magazine because they had seen my writing in The Thresher and knew I was interested in architecture. I was had taken classes from Danny Samuels, who was on the editorial committee. And that was an amazing thing, being part of those discussions about, we're writing about Houston, we're writing about architecture, we're writing about urban design. And I met a lot of amazing people doing that. Uh, I would assume then that kind of opened the door for you to start thinking about transit in a critical way as well. Yeah, essentially, while I was on the Thresher editorial board, 
I sort of became the infrastructure person. I, I did a piece on the bridges of Buffalo Bayou. I wrote about tunneling in Houston, which was actually a really interesting thing to learn about. And so as Houston was preparing to build a light rail line, I was sort of the logical person to write about it. And I'd already been exposed to that in school. I took a really amazing transportation class from John Sedlak, who has worked for Metro. But I got really interested in this new light rail project Houston was proposing, covered it for site. And in covering it for site, started to compare it to other cities, started trying to figure out what has worked elsewhere, what should Houston learn from, um, and wrote a series of articles for site about the light rail line. It seems like you had this kind of formal track with engineering, architecture, kind of some of the urban design things that ultimately resulted in you kind of doing the urban planning work that you're doing at Hewitt Zollers now. And you've always had this sort of secondary parallel track of research, of writing, of giving talks and presentations, doing the graphic design for the writing and I decided on my major when I was in junior high school. I said, I want to be a civil engineer. And I did that through six years of school. And I went into the job that you expect to take with that degree. I went to work at a structural engineering firm, which I really loved. But through school, through working as a structural engineer, I was always in that mindset of, you know, I've got this job track. And then there's another set of things I'm interested in, like transit, like writing, that are going to be something I do in my free time. My photography is, was gonna be something I do in my free time. You know, it may be more than a hobby. It may be community involvement, but I was seeing that as this separate track that's parallel to how I make money. And what's become really interesting in my career is those have all ended up merging together. And the stuff I had fun doing in my spare time is now stuff I actually do for a living. And so this is interesting because it all kind of came together and now you've got this book and this is like a big deal right now. So tell us about your book. So it is, it is called Trains, Buses, People, an Opinionated Atlas of Transit. It maps 47 U.S. metropolitan areas that have rail or BRT, maps them all at the same scale, maps their systems, maps how that matches the population and the jobs, and then discusses each of them. Um, describes each of them, talks about what decisions those cities have made and why they made them, and talks about what has worked and what hasn't. Do you feel like there is a one-size-fits-all kind of solution for the transit problems we have in America? Absolutely not. Like, the, well, what I love about transit is cities are just incredibly complicated. And this is, again, this is something I think architecture teaches really well, is all the layers of what makes a city. And every transit system is a reaction to a very specific city with a very specific context. And every transit system then ends up changing that city around it. So it's, it's really fascinating to see how different cities have made different decisions and how they've evolved because of it. And I think transit is, it's about urbanism. It's about urban design. It's about how cities fit together and the basic structure of cities. I think. We often tend to talk about transit like it's some abstract technical thing, like something you would hand off to an engineer for them to figure out, but it's really making a decision about what kind of city you want to be. And I think that's that's kind of part of the responsibility that we have as architects as well, is to think about our buildings in the context of the city and in the context of the history uh, of the places that they're designed. Uh, so 
as much as we do that, I think we're still somewhat isolated in terms of what we feel like our responsibilities are. And I'm curious how you envision architects playing a role in transit and, and what can they do for urban design to make our cities better beyond just making good buildings? Yeah, I mean, a good building doesn't really work unless it's embedded in good context. And that's true in so many different It's the experience of a building is so much shaped by what's next door to it and what the street that's in front of that building is like. Like the realization that a good street is an urban space, which has to be programmed and function and just like a building does. If you care about sustainability, a huge amount of the energy use of a building is how people are going to get there, whether you put it in the right place, what kind of transportation options people have getting there. And one thing I really love about the Rice School of Architecture is I think it has deeply embedded in its culture the idea that architects need to care about cities. And when teaching transportation here, I think the students really get that. This is a place that really gets that idea that a building is a component of a city, and if you want to make great architecture, you have to think about cities. But I would say that if you really want to think about cities and care about cities, you have to start to care about policy. That, first of all, the built form of a city is shaped by rules and regulations. I mean, the most powerful design document in the United States is something called the Green Book, which was put together by a bunch of traffic engineers on how to build streets. And that book is the DNA of every city in the United States. That's every street we build. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a world where we let the traffic engineers do their thing before we let the architects do their thing. So this book is basically shaping the context that every building is going to go into. If you can get those kind of rules and those kind of processes right, you can make cities much better. It's if you design a building, you're designing one building. If you change a zoning code, you're shaping hundreds, thousands of buildings. And I find that architects generally aren't nearly involved enough in policymaking, in politics, in the places where those decisions that shape everything get made. And one of the most amazing experiences I've had is serving eight years on a transit board, actually sitting at that table being part of the vote every year on where over a billion dollars get spent on an annual basis, deciding which places have transit service and which don't, and where we invest money in major new infrastructure that will shape the city for decades. There were three of us engineers on that board together. There were no architects on that board. I mean, we're lucky in Houston, at least we have an architect on city council, but I see very few architects who get involved in those discussions, and I think the city, the world is a poorer place for it. I think you're right. We should be thinking about things holistically and kind of intersectionally. And I think that your career is a really good model for that type of thinking, that it's, it's not just about the things that you're paid to do or the things that you've studied to do, but it's about all of the ripple effects that kind of occur from those types of decisions. And I think it, I mean, it takes me back to thinking back about the Thresher. What I was doing at the Thresher was figuring out ways to tell stories. That's what a newspaper article is. It's taking a series of facts and putting them into some kind of narrative. That's what the graphics and the photography all are. You're backing up that narrative. You're telling a story. And that's actually how policy gets made. You know, how, how did we manage to change the entire Houston bus system in a way that literally New York City is now copying Houston when it comes to transit? We were able to tell a story about this is why our current bus system doesn't work. This is why we need to change it. 
and I think a thread through basically everything I've been successful at is if you can tell stories well, if you can communicate well, you can make change happen. And, and I think that's something that's really important for architects to understand. Like when a student is standing there in a final jury, you're telling a story. You're not just pointing to things on the wall and you shouldn't just be sort of reading off a, I did this and I did that. You're telling a story that you want people to engage with, that you want people to believe that you want people to see the world in a different way because of what you just said. And if you can learn to do that, you can change the world. I was astonished to go to your Kinder Institute uh, reading and look at the audience. I mean, I've talked to you about your book multiple times as it's, as, as it's been a project, but it's fascinating to me to go into a situation where there's an audience and actually see them engaging and laughing at anecdotes about transit. It's it really is a testament to what you just said about storytelling and about having this kind of unique set of skills that allows you to push uh, people's understanding of what it is that you're doing to make them engage with you, to make them understand and feel as excited about it as you do. Are there any other kind of skills that you feel like have been pivotal for your success in that way? I mean, I think another thing that I understood early on was that all organizations are political, that whether it's the Metro Board, which is explicitly political, or whether it's an architecture firm or the editorial committee of a magazine, that ultimately whenever a group of people work together to do something, the relationships between those people, the culture they exist in, the way that you work with everybody else, the way that you make a case the things you want to do is incredibly important. And I think, again, that's something that coming out of school is not that obvious. I think I don't see students thinking a lot about what, what are the kind of cultures of these firms I'm going to be. But if you, can, if you can start in an architecture firm or any kind of firm and look around and say, what is this firm about? What does it care about? How does it function internally? Who holds the power and why? what fundamentally makes this tick as a business and what makes the people running it tick, what are they excited about, you can be a lot more effective. That sort of parallels what you're saying just about making infrastructural changes as well, that this is about, again, stating your case, telling your story, and making it compelling in a way that makes sense to people. I mean, I think one thing that's in common between engineers and architects is there's sort of this deep belief built into both professions that if you have a good idea, um, that's good enough, and it's not. <laughs> so tell me what's next for you. You're, you're currently in the process of doing this massive book tour, right? Yeah, so I'm speaking around the country. Um, just in the last two days, I've been on the radio in San Francisco and in Philadelphia and interviewed with a magazine in Dallas and sort of getting out there and talking about transit and meeting lots of interesting people. and. You know, meanwhile, doing urban planning at Hewitt Zollers, where we have a bunch of really interesting projects. We're doing a vision for the future of the city of Galveston. We're doing the street manual for the city of Dallas that will basically be the set of guidelines for designing all of the streets there. We're running a consortium of flooding researchers um, looking at how to best adjust after Harvey and make this a more resilient city. We've been coming up with proposals for improving transit in the Twin Cities. It's, it's a really fun mix of projects. And again, 
I get to work with a group of some of the coolest people I know, really smart, really talented designers. Everyone in our planning group except me as an architect, half Rice grads, half U of H grads. Um, and I just love actually having a workplace where we're all excited about what we do and we all work together really well. And we keep having these really neat opportunities to do meaningful things that can actually make cities better. I mean, I think it sounds like your plate's really full in this like really, really good way right now. Um, and so I am grateful to you for taking the time out to talk to me and to talk to our students and alumni and anyone else who's listening and to come back and visit Rice, as I know you often do, teach here and do reviews and things like that. But it's nice to have you come back and just talk to us about this. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. For more information on Christoph and his many skills, visit the latest news tab on the Rice Architecture website. Don't forget to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud to keep up with new releases. I'm your host, Rose Wolkowski, and this has been Tete a Tete.